Well, a very good evening. Beautiful clear sky above me and birds are singing. And I was just lying on my bed there for a wee while because I was very, very tired following today's work. Um, but I think coming towards the end of most of the serious hard work, you know, the hard graft. Anyways, I think it's about half seven. It's still light because the hour's gone on the clock. So I'm just going to walk over towards the tunnel. Jack is out with me. Just put my leg in down there. Just going to walk over towards the tunnel and then I'm going to go down through the ferry wood and just kind of walk um, in, in kind of horizontal paths just across the land for a wee while. So I decided to make this recording, this podcast, because there was a couple of things that were just irking me a little bit. So yes, Robert, Rob, this is a bit of a rant. <laughs> Stand by for the rant. Um, first of all, I was talking today about getting this bamboo out of a pot. This is on today's video. Getting this bamboo out of a pot in order to plant it out. And I have a fair few comments up on social media from people who have warned me against the invasiveness of bamboo. <laughs> so let me start my rant. There is no such thing as invasive species. We are not here to fight Mother Earth. Mother Earth is not at war against us. She is not trying to invade our gardens or our land. There is one invasive species, however, living not with Mother Earth, but on Mother Earth, and we're called the human race. And the human race, especially in the West, are notoriously lazy people. They don't go out onto the land. I think the nearest they get to the land on a good day is parking their extremely enlarged derriere on top of a sit-and-ride mower and cruising up and down a patch of grass, shaving it to within an inch of its life, or actually a millimetre of its life, let's be more precise, was looking something akin to a zombie. They don't want to plant anything that could possibly invade. So what is it they mean by invasive species? They mean a plant which will spread out. It will spread out because there is so much room around it to spread out. And Mother Earth abhors a vacuum. Mother Earth does not want big patches of lawn in front of houses or on the land. That's the monoculture. 
that's a monoculture and she doesn't want monoculture. She wants diversity and abundance and richness of habitat. So let me just say this. The Bialtana project has been going now for 16 years. This is year 16. It started in 2004. In 2004, I planted bamboo. I planted bamboo up near the cottage, up behind the cottage, up near the stone circle, down near the ferry wood, down on the driveway, down in the bog garden. Wherever I could, I was dividing up bits of bamboo and planting it. Have you watched all the videos? Have you watched even half of the videos? Can you point out to me in those videos where the bamboo has invaded? That's that's the challenge I'm putting out there. Because I know for certain that you can't. There has been no invasion of bamboo. Because I don't plant bamboo as a monoculture species. I surround it with all different species. I surround it with all different plants. The same goes for rhododendron, which I've planted here. The same goes for Gunaramanicata, which I've planted here. The same goes for Rubus, Himalayan raspberry, which I've planted here. There is no monoculture species here. There is no invasive species here because it hasn't got the room to invade. Because I have done what Mother Earth has wanted me to do from day one, which is to plant her. She wants plants. She wants abundance. She wants animals and birds and birdsong and leaves and leaf mould and compost and compost and ground cover and layered food forests and and, and and little cuttings just slipped into the ground that become shrubs and black currants. She wants it all. She wants beauty. She wants diversity. She doesn't want monoculture. So when it comes to the so-called invasive species that people keep harping on about, there is no such thing as invasive species. The problem is, number one, lazy people who don't go out on the land, who don't communicate with Mother Earth, who don't go and plant. And number two, people with too much land. People with so much land that they can't possibly care for it. And so there are massive vacuums of untended land where species will spread. And they have the temerity to call it invasive species. Look, it's invaded my land. Land is there for us to tend. We are at the beginning of a massive problem on Mother Earth. We are in the opening stages 
of a pandemic. And the consequences, of course, will ripple down through generations to come. Common sense tells me that. This is the time to reaffirm, renew or begin your relationship with Mother Earth and to plant. And as I say on my bumper sticker, plant like your life depends on it, for it does. The only wealth we have, the only real wealth we have, is Mother Earth. This monoculture, this idea of invasive species, this sitting on sitting ride mowers, mowing endless, <laughs> endless lines of, of grass, has to stop. It has to stop. There is no future in it. Jack, up this way. I'm just down by the pond now. You know, I've worked these three acres in contented silence for a very long time. 16 years this May. And I've had plenty of time to think, to ponder, to chew the cud, to try to work out why this is like this or that is like that. Try to understand how it all, how it all makes sense to me. And during that time, during that time, all the fields and the land around me, I've been a lone figure out on the land. So what does that tell us about invasive species? I can tell you how I see it. I think people, I think the majority of people are frightened of Mother Earth. I think that politics, religion, Education has pulled them away from Mother Earth. 
destroyed what whatever semblance of a relationship they ever had or thought they had. And people are genuinely afraid of Mother Earth. They don't understand her, they don't get her. And that's why they don't they don't engage with her. And I think this quiet time now that people have been forced into is going to give them the chance could be the last chance but is giving them the chance to think about where they stand in all of this and to think about what they want for their future and to think about the future not only of their children and other people's children but of how the earth is going to look a hundred years from now. Well, no, you don't even have to go a hundred years. Beelton the Cottage has manifested into this, from monoculture into this, in 16 years. That's only a percentage of someone's life. We don't have to wait. Good boy, come on. And the other part of my rant, should we call it part two? Colette's rant part two, is the amount of gurus. <laughs> Sorry, I have to cross the stream and I'm laughing, so I'm not concentrating. Right, Jack, go for it. <laughs> the amount of gurus out there <coughs> on social media and YouTube. And these gurus, I mean, they must be divinely inspired because they're so definite about what they're saying. They know everything. They know all about what's wrong with everything and how to put it right. And <laughs> I'm actually, you know, in my, in my more bored moments, which I, you know, very rarely have, but usually happen upon me when I'm very tired and I'm sort of lying on the bed, too tired to actually get undressed and ready for bed. But uh, these, these gurus who are, 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 are telling everybody about how everything is, this is how it all is, you know, they have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of followers and subscribers. That doesn't give me an awful lot of faith in human nature. 
It really doesn't. It really doesn't. And especially the ones you say, folks. They refer to us all as folks. Yeah, folks. And you've got to listen to this, folks. And let me tell you, folks. <laughs> I don't like being called folks. That's patronising. But it would appear that there's an awful lot of people out there who like to be patronised, who don't mind one bit being patronised. And then, of course, there's the keyboard warriors. The ones who know absolutely everything. And have no shame in telling you where it is you've gone wrong. I couldn't tell you how many times I've been told where I've gone wrong. And, you know, years ago I used to say... Now, come on, you keyboard warrior, Mr. Anonymous. You're saying this to me. I don't even know if you're a real person. I don't know if you're male or female. Um, I don't know what country you're from. Um, I don't know where you live at all. You've got, there's absolutely nothing at all to say that you're anything other than someone who hides in the shadows. Whereas I, you know where I live, my address is public, my website's public, um, what I do is public, my name is public. I'm not hiding behind some, you know, name like, um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jezebel McCulloch. <laughs> don't read too much into that, by the way. I don't want any Freudian analysis of this. <laughs> but, I mean, I have the decency to make myself public. I'm not hiding in the shadows. Whereas an awful lot of these uh, keyboard warriors... They're untraceable. <laughs> They're just untraceable. <laughs> I mean, for all I know, it could be it could be a a monarch or, or a president or, or or I don't know, Joe Bloggs saying these outrageous things to me on YouTube or Facebook. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's the new moon up there. I'm just climbing up the steps at the front of the cottage. Let me see. Oh, that's beautiful, that moon. It's quite high in the sky tonight. So it's obviously... Yeah, there's Venus. It's risen above Venus now. Beautiful. So I'd very much appreciate it, in conclusion here, 
you did not refer to anything I've planted here in the garden as being invasive and me needing to take care and be careful. And should I have done that? Did I not know it was invasive? Etc, etc. Now the playhouse, it's funny actually, because my friend has been here sort of clinically dismantling the old playhouse, the hen house as it was. And um, <laughs> it's sort of tipped forward a little bit because basically there is very little holding it together. He's unscrewed the whole thing and he's done it all in a very sort of clinical way um, so he can reassemble it but I'm just hoping there's not going to be a wind or a storm <laughs> because if there is it's going to be like the three little piggies in the wooden house um, and Mr Wolf you know huff and puff and blow the house down it'll just collapse into a heap anyway hopefully it'll be okay tonight <clears throat> yeah, I'm just stood in front looking at it anyway. I'll walk up the little steps now. I'm going up towards the stone circle. <sighs> it's beautiful to come out in the evening. Just beautiful. One of these nights, I'm going to hear an owl. I'm just looking at the old ash tree and all the primroses underneath it. So this, this COVID-19, this, this thing which is going to change everything. is sort of um, a weird experience for me because it doesn't change anything for me. This is how my life has been since I retreated to Bealtaine and started this project. It's very interesting for me now to look out into, into the world and see all that's going on and hear what's going on. And I do this 
Express. A complete sense of what's coming down the line. Which would be terribly frightening for some people. Maybe for the majority of people, I don't know. Because the change The change is going to force people into thinking about their own lives and their own existence. Which, in the everyday, crazy sort of experience of everyday life, you know, the the travelling to work, the commuting, the working, the paying the bills, the going on holiday. See, everything's become such a big anxiety thing. I mean, going on holiday, I think, has got to rate as one of the most anxiety-ridden experiences one could possibly experience. Just travelling for one or two days just to get to your destination, I think is uh, frightening enough. And people haven't been very happy over recent decades. I was aware of that when I left London in 2004. Anyway, I'm going to venture back to the house now. Just going to cross this little, this little bridge, um, which takes me over the ditch towards the tunnel. Jack, come on, come on. Walking down now past the tunnel, past the Lunasa Garden. The Lunasa Garden, of course, I planted, was it um, 2018? I think it may have been. Planted it for the butterflies and the moths and the bees and the birds. A sort of flowery extension of the woodland gardens. It's beautiful now just seeing the silhouettes of the trees against this sort of powdery blue sky with the moon and Venus just above me.
There's hardly a breath of wind. There's no movement in the air. But it is getting very cold. Coming up along the back of the cottage now. to you all. Of course for those of you who are unfamiliar with Beatina Cottage, there's a YouTube channel of that name, Beatina Cottage, and there's also a website of the same name, BeatinaCottage.com. I don't allow advertising on any of it. I pour advertising. Blessings to you all.